0: to run, ain't got nowhere to go. Really, that is the theme of Daniel and his friends' lives. Uh, We've been looking at them for a little while now, and we see that they are just stuck. They're stuck where they are. They're stuck in Babylon, and there's no way out, yet somehow they are able to bob and weave in the world they live in and not lose who they are, stay true to who they are, but totally engaged with the world that they live in. And it's an amazing thing. They're 15 years old, roughly, when they get there. And the story we're looking at right now, they're in their early 30s. And Daniel's off somewhere. Uh, We're not sure where he is, but his three friends are right in this place. And so they're they're having to navigate this, and they do such a great job. And it's amazing how they, again, they live in in a broken world, and yet yet they still seem to function. They still seem to be able to align their lives with God and, and walk that way. Uh, it kind of reminds me of, a, of another guy. He's a little different, but, but there are some similarities, so just uh, bear with me. I was kicked out of the flight academy. Having a mind of my own, (laughs) I'm going to be a pilot, best in the galaxy. Hey, kid, I'm putting together a crew. You in? (laughs) That's yes. I might be the only person who knows what you really are. What's that? Now, I don't want to give it away, but what was the answer? Has anyone seen it yet? Does anyone know what uh, she says, I know who you really are? What, it, what does she say? No one. No one dares to say. You haven't seen it yet. <laughs> oh, church over baptism. Let's go to the movies now. <laughs> just kidding. He, she says, I know who you really are, and she says, you're a good man. Isn't that sweet? Now, why does she say that? Because she sees constantly in Han Solo's life, yes, he dances on the edges, but he always seems to come back to who he is, he always seems to drift a little bit, but then he gets it right, and he navigates through a crazy, crazy world. If you're familiar with the story, he, he, it's just crazy, yet at the last minute, because he is a good man, it's like a rudder to his life, he returns and, and engages in a sense many times, saves the day. And Daniel and his friends are very similar to that. They don't maybe dance on the edges as much as he does, but they they navigate in a world that just wants them to conform and be a certain way, and, and they don't go for that. They stay true to who are. Han Solo stays true to who he is. He's a good man. And he tries to do that as he lives in a bad world. And you and I, uh, hopefully, we're not shooting around from planet to planet and such like that, but you and I at times are in the same place. Uh, we're trying to be good people, but we live in a difficult world. It's not all bad, but there's this pressure to conform and to function the way others, and to kind of not be who we are, especially those of us who claim to be Christ followers. It's this, this, this pressure, and it sometimes can be very subtle, but it's just always there. Daniel and his friends constantly deal with this. You remember um Uh, We talked about Daniel arriving at 15, and we think he's probably in this circle, in this place, so at least he's in his mid-80s. And he gives us an example to follow at every stage of life, at every age of life. And so it's just not a short time for him. It is his life. And so we, we see he's stuck there, but he navigates through that. And likewise, you and I, uh, can, can do that if we, if we follow some of his lead, some of his friends' lead. Now, if you're just joining us this morning, you can catch up by going online. number of ways to do that. Uh, you can watch the messages or you can listen to them. Uh, they're available. But right now, we're in this two-part mini-series inside the bigger series regarding with this idea, the heat is on. And some of you are familiar with this 80s song uh, the heat is on, the main chorus goes like this, the heat is on, the heat is on, the heat is on. It's on the street, it's inside your head on every beat, and the beat's so loud it's deep inside, the pressure's high just to stay alive, the heat is on. Everyone be happy that I didn't try to sing it, but these guys do for us. Everybody's thirsty and wants a drink. (laughs) Now, I'm not particularly a Coke person. I'm a Pepsi person. Coke people? Pepsi people? Ah, there you are. Sorry. (laughs) But, you know, when the heat is on, when the heat is on, we get thirsty. And in that scene, they're saying, well, when the heat is on, you're thirsty. A Coke is what satisfies you. And uh, the reality is that when the heat gets on, when we're in the pressures of the world, when we're in the pressures of life, whatever that may be, and the heat is on, we get thirsty. And what's amazing, again, about these three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is these three friends, when the heat is on and the heat gets on, if you're familiar with the story, that they're thirsty and they try to get their thirst quenched through an alignment, a relationship uh, with, with God. And many times, no matter who we are, no matter if we're claimed to be a Christ follower or if we're unconvinced, when the heat is on, whatever that pressure is in life, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, uh, whether it's our finances, whatever it may be, our health, when the pressure is on, we get thirsty, and many times we turn to other things rather than turn in the direction of God. Some of us still wonder if he even exists out there, but we, we, we fail to do that, because when the heat is on, we, we get thirsty. And somehow, Daniel and they have been there for 15 years. When the heat is on again, and I would say the heat is always on for them, but when we get this account we find that they don't turn to having their thirst quenched the way everybody else does. Uh, they turn and look towards God. So if you want to turn over to Daniel chapter 3, verse 1, that's at page 615 in the Bible you'll find around you. Uh, the verses will be up on the screen also. If you're not having your own paper copy of the Bible, you're free to take that Bible as a gift from Seneca Community Church also, we encourage you to download uh, Uversion. It's an app for basically every kind of device, and it's free, and you can have the Bible and any kind of version basically you want right there at uh, your fingertips. So Daniel chapter 3, verse 1, we're just going to kind of bring up the speed from last time. Uh, so the pressure's on, the heat is on. Uh, if you remember in verse uh, 1, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubics high. Uh, that's thought to be 90 feet and six cubits wide, that's thought to be nine feet wide, and set it up on the plain of Dora in the province of Babylon. So again, this is a culture, if you do not familiar with the story, uh, Daniel and his friends were kidnapped from their home. Their home country was destroyed. They've been trying to indoctrinate them to become the uh, Babylonians and help with the court and what's going on. And so here they are, 15 years later, in their early 30s, and King Nebuchadnezzar decides to do this. And this is what's supposed to happen. Anytime you hear the sound of the horns or any music, uh, you're supposed to bow to this image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. So literally the heat is on, and it will be on for anybody who doesn't follow the lead here. And so they're in this this really tough place. What what are they going to do? How are they going to respond? Uh, are they going to kind of go along? Remember, they're not the only three, four that were kidnapped from Jerusalem. They're not the only ones. And when, when they are uh, kidnapped, there's a whole group of people, and the others seem to kind of go along with the flow. They seem to go along and conform and work with that. It's these three, these four, that just, just stand up against it. They're going to they're they're say, I can't do that. But there were some Jews whom have set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who paid no attention to you, your majesty. This is some guys tattling on them. Uh, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you've set up. In our first week, we saw that was kind of amazing that, that these are their friends, and their friends are kind of, their co-workers are kind of turning them in. Maybe they wanted their jobs or something. So, So they're not going to bow down. And so they go tell Nebuchadnezzar, and this is what Nebuchadnezzar says. He's furious with rage. Nebuchadnezzar summoned them, and so they were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar says to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I've set up? And so they're there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. I don't think they're defiant. I don't think they're in Nebuchadnezzar's face. I think they just say, hey, we're not going to defend ourselves. We're not going in this direction. Uh, Remember, we're one of the good guys. Not that we're perfect, but we're trying to be good guys. We're trying to align our life with what God says. And we talked a little bit about the conflict there last time. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of God that you have set up for us. And it's interesting. They're, they're at this place where, where they're saying, you know, God might save us, God might not, but, but we're not going there. We're not going to cross that line. And we've talked in earlier messages that they weren't picketing, they weren't demanding their rights. They just said, uh, sorry, king, uh, respect you and everything, but, but this is something we can't do. The pressure's on, the heat is on for these guys. Uh, it reminds me of something Jesus says 600 years later. He says this, those who try to hold on to their lives will give up true life those who give up their lives for me will hold on to true life. And there's this tension, there's this idea that when when we try to to hold on to our lives, uh, we end up giving our lives up. Whether it's with our generosity, whether it's just being me-centered, self-centered, it seems like the walls close in on us. But Jesus says those who give up their lives, give their lives away for various things, whether it's like in this situation, whether it's in other situations, some of us, in a sense, are giving our lives away on a daily basis, and it will be a lifetime of giving our lives away, not just a moment in the sand, a line in the sand. Those who give up their lives for me will hold on to their true lives. Uh, This this, this isn't the idea that... uh, Nothing's going to happen because we could go around the world today and visit different places and we would find that there are people that say they follow Christ and they're following Christ and they're in horrendous situations. And, and often they lose their lives. So it's not saying, you know, if you're good with God, God's going to give you this smooth sailing and nothing's ever going to happen. That, that's not what this is saying. Over and over again, we can see instances. But this idea of true life being who you are uh, God, God will be there with you in the storm, in the difficulty. And these three guys are, are not necessarily expecting that they're going to be saved. But, that, but that's not the big deal. They've already decided in their lives you know, what, what they're willing to die for. And when you decide what you're willing to die for, you know what you're living to live for. When you don't make that decision, you end up living for everything or nothing. And these guys knew what they would die for. And so now we're going to see them, them offer themselves. In this case, they're saved. There's other stories in the scriptures where they're not. So I don't want to, again, paint a, a, a picture that's not accurate. But they knew what they were willing to die for. So they knew how to live. So when you and I find ourselves with the heat on no matter what the circumstances are most of us aren't going to be finding ourselves where uh, Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are we're not going to find ourselves there but you know when when we are in those heated places whether it's at home whether it's at work whether whatever it may be we have to realize that uh, we are not alone If you've said yes to Christ, in a few minutes we're going to see some people proclaim, explain, go public with their faith. It's not an act that saves them or makes them right with a God. It's an expression. It's a symbol that says, hey, I'm connected with God. He's a part of my life. I've asked him into my life. And because that's happened, I want to demonstrate it through this, and we'll explain it a little bit more. But when the heat is on, those of us who have a relationship with God through Christ can have a confidence that we are not alone. We see that in verses uh, 19 and on. We see Nebuchadnezzar was furious with them, and his attitude towards them had changed. Remember, there have been times where he was happy with these guys. Now he wasn't. His attitude had changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. He really wanted to cook them alive, and uh, that's what he does. I think the furnace, when it's in its normal Normal side would have t- done the deal, but he, he cranks it up to seven times uh, and commanded some of his strongest soldiers in his army to tie them up and throw them into the blazing furnace so the men wearing their robes, their trousers, their turbans, and all other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing, sur- into the blazing furnace. The, commands, the king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames or the fire killed the soldiers who took, up, took them up. And these three men, firmly tied, fell in to the blazing furnace. It's interesting there, when, when someone is really uh, sometimes out of control, and we see Nebuchadnezzar has, a, has an anger thing, and he gets out of control. When you and I have an anger thing, it, it doesn't just affect us, it hurts other people. And so Nebuchadnezzar, flipping out with his anger, actually ends up taking three other people's lives with that. Usually uh, our, our expressions aren't that dramatic, but we can, in a sense, suck the life out of people when we're angry and when we have that eerie, when we have that do-not-go place, and all of a sudden it gets there, and bam, out it comes. And, and, we, and we take the life, just a, a little by little, out of those people. And a lot of times, it's sad to say, it's the people that are closest to us. It's the people that we love. We're we're sucking a little bit of of life out of them. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? I like that we threw threw, tied up, Uh, but uh, typical boss sometimes, right? We did this. No, 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 I did it. (laughs) We tied up and threw them into the fire, they replied. Certainly, Your Majesty, he said, Look, I see four men walking in the fire unabound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. You see, in this situation, they really weren't alone. We would think if you did theological studies and everything, we would say this is a pre-incarnation of Jesus. When we think about Jesus being born at Christmas, that isn't when he all of a sudden became aware, and he's always been a part of the Trinity, Hard stuff to understand. We'll baptize in a few moments in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, there's this trinity, one God and three persons, and and it is thought that this is Jesus himself showing up on the scene 600 years earlier than he says what I read you earlier. And so there's four men walking around, And, and it's interesting, they're unabound, they're unharmed. They're there. You see, when you and I feel the heat of life, and we can be into relationship with God, we can find that you and I can, in a sense, uh, walk through these hot times and whatever's going on. Isaiah wrote this, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze because I am God, your personal God. I love the fact your personal God. Not a God way out there, but a God that's connected and involved and engaged with our lives. He's personal. He wants to join us. He wants us to be aware of him. The holy Holy of Israel, your savior, I paid a huge price for you. And looking to the future, we realize that Jesus, when we baptize, we're going to show the symbolism of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's why we put the person all the way under the water. It's like they're dying with Jesus and then rising with Jesus. There's some symbolism there. And Jesus pays that high, huge price for us. Now, when we get into these heat is on moments, we have to remember that sometimes God keeps us in three ways. Uh, Sometimes He keeps us from the crisis. Uh, sometimes he just he protects us. I, I don't know about you, but every once in a while there's something unfolding and, and I'm getting a little nervous about it. I'm being aware of it. And all of a sudden I pray, I do some things myself, and it seems like God steps in and, and, and the thing is, is just gone. That's fantastic when that happens. And sometimes he does that, but not always. A lot of us could, if I shared the mic around, you could share times where God didn't keep you that way, he didn't keep you from the crisis. Uh, Sometimes, uh, in a sense, he keeps you through the crisis. Uh, He walks with you through the crisis. He walks into the fire. He walks into the heat, and he is there. Have you ever been in one of those situations, or have you ever known someone that it seems like life is just just closing in on them? It's just just unbelievably difficult. the, The heat is on, and they seem to walk through that unburned unscathed. It's, it's not that they're playing make-believe. It's not that, that they're a Pollyanna kind of person, and they don't consciously realize the mess they're in, but they have a peace and a strength and a, and a rhythm to life that they're actually able to, to walk through it. You see, God walks us through the crises. And for most of us, at least half of my crisis, I'd say, he walked through with me. He walked. He was in the water. He was in the storm. It was in the fire, and, and I wasn't alone. Also, sometimes by the crisis, sometimes what we see on the horizon is a crisis or what we're experiencing is a crisis is, in a sense, the tip of the iceberg. Uh, some of you have gone into the doctors for one acre pain or something, and all of a sudden they start to do tests, and they say, yeah, you got this acre pain, but there's something else going on here. And if you hadn't gone in for the little acre pain or the significant acre pain, you wouldn't have discovered this big thing was going on in your life. You see, God gave you this crisis, but it saved you a crisis. Just this fall, Mariah called us. That's our youngest. She's at, uh, a senior at Nyack uh, College down uh, across from the, on the Hudson River near um, New York City. And she called and said, my car is making a funny noise. Well, what kind of noise? I don't know. It just doesn't sound right. And I'm not the person to answer those kinds of questions. Those of you know me. So Cindy happened to be talking to her on the phone one time, and and the, it's making a funny noise, and she kind of listens. She goes, that's the muffler. That muffler's gone. And it was going, whoa, 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 You know, and poor Mariah, being my child, had no idea that that's what that meant. So so fortunately, we had some friends down there. They got her to the right place, and, and they got it up there, and, you know, they're going to fix it or whatever. And, and uh, what they discovered, though... Is that this, was a, this was a car that uh, had too much salt underneath? Is that the floorboards on the passenger side were basically non-existent? It was just carpet, insulation, and crust. And uh, I'm a big guy, so sometimes when Mariah drives me around, I might have been driving like Fred Flintstone, you know, with my legs. So. <laughs> So 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 there's one of these situations the crisis oh no it's the you know the muffler what a hassle do we know somebody all this kind of stuff actually was a good thing because she carts a lot of kids around down there at college and that's where they sit and so you know finding that out was a good thing sometimes in our life uh, god keeps us through the heat by the crisis or through the crisis or sometimes from the crisis i love when that happens But many times it's the other things because when these crises take place, it's just not an external thing; it's an internal thing. When these crises take place, it does something to me inside, and what happens is can be a good thing. Uh, Peter writes, "And may be necessary for you to be sad for a while because of the many trials you suffer. Their purpose is to prove that your faith is genuine." And your faith, which is much more precious than gold, must also be tested so that you may endure. And so we get tested by fire. And and that's a a good thing, as we're going to see. It's good that we're tested. When we hear about metal, it's good that metal is tested by fire, it gets the impurities out, it makes it stronger. In the same way with our own lives, these crises are more than just something on the horizon. They're more than something in our life. They're to do something in us. And when we're a Christ follower, we especially need to stop and go, God, what are you trying to do with in me? Most of us who uh, know this verse, love this verse. I'm always, uh, I am with you always to the very end, and uh, you know, the end of the age, and we love that. Uh, but we forget that uh, a part of this, a part of this whole thing, is when God says he's with us, when uh, Jesus tells us this, there's a whole nother context for this. And there's this idea that, therefore, go and make disciples. Sometimes we would say around here, go and be a difference maker of other people. That's the reason we have ministry partners around the world, Bill and Jen Morling and many others that that are serving around the world. They're, They're trying to make a difference there to point to Christ. And then baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's having them get to the place where they go public with their faith. They own their faith. They say, yes, I'm going to follow Christ. I'm not perfect by any means, but my direction is this way. This is the path I'm on. I'm going to trip every once in a while. I'm going to take some missteps every once in a while. But this is the direction that I'm going. And teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And the real way we teach is by live. More things are caught than taught, so there's got to be that going on. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age, end of the world, until Christ comes back. So, so when the heat is on, uh, for those of us, uh, we get to this place where we have to realize that God can be trusted, that God can be trusted. And this is a process. This is a process. It's, it's, it's you stick your big toe in and find out if God can be trusted. And if he can, then maybe you put your full foot in. Then you put a little bit more in. There's a process that goes on. But as we're going down this path, as we're going in that direction, we find that he can. We're not alone, and he can be trusted. What's amazing is that when we're in these situations, God will burn off everything that ties you down. And it's interesting. When these guys end up in the fiery furnace, the man-made ropes are gone. They're gone. They're gone in the heat. It's the fiery furnace that gets rid of those. You see, they get out. Their clothes are good. They don't even smell like they've been in a fire. Every time I, you know, cook on the grill, I smell like hamburgers for the next five days. But uh, they're in this fiery furnace, and, and none of that happens. But the things that bound them were gone. And sometimes God will use the fiery furnace in your life, the heat in your life, to burn those ropes away. And when you get on the other side of it, there's a relief. There's a freedom. What is it that binds you, that holds you together? Maybe it's ideas. Maybe it's, uh, you know, stuff in your life that owns you. Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe it's, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a lack of forgiveness, and it's just bound you up, whatever it may be. You go into the fiery furnace, and God will burn through those ropes. He'll be with you. It's called in other places in Scripture, I have refined you, but not in the way silver is refined. Rather, I have refined you in the furnace of suffering. And as a refining that goes on, the impurities are burned out. I know there's been times where there's been my most terrible years, and all of a sudden, it changes me. It burns some things out. Fortunately, uh, we have a God that doesn't burn everything out (laughs) at once, but he, he, he works on us, gets the rust off the edges kind of thing, and uh, it refines us. Another verse says, We went through the fire and water, and you led us out to freedom. Isn't it amazing when you have something that's binding you, and you go into the furnace, and it gets burned off, and all of a sudden, it doesn't own you anymore, and now you have a freedom that you didn't have before. Maybe it's fear. You're bound up by fear. You're afraid. You're afraid. You're afraid. It's not just being aware. It's not just being concerned. But you're scared. You're panicking. And you go through the fire. You find that God can be trusted. You're not alone. And he burns that off. And now the next situation that's on the horizon is scarier than the last one. But you're not as scared. You're not as afraid. You see, now you have freedom some of your habits some of your addictions get burned off in the heat and now you have a freedom you're not a slave to those things anymore the heat of the furnace can be awesome in your life if you allow it to be also you come god will make sure you come through whole now, i don't want to give any illusions here when you come through whole it means your soul's whole, you're complete. That doesn't mean you come through unscathed. Uh, you know, when you and I experience pain and we, we let it be our teacher, we go to a different place. The problem is some of us don't let that happen. We live in our pain. Our pain defines us. It it, it limits us. You see, God wants to take that fiery furnace experience let you go through it, let you become unbound and be in a new place. Sometimes you meet people that have been stuck in the same place for five years, 10 years, 20 years. They've let that kind of thing define them. But God wants us to come through, come through whole, come through complete. And uh, we're not gonna read through all this, but, but that's exactly what happens to these three guys. They come out and they're sound, they're complete, no harm, no Hair was scorched, singed. Their robes weren't. There was not even a smell of, smell of fire on them. Paul speaks of this this way when he says this, Being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. And the idea here is that you and I, when we're in the furnace He's doing something internally. He's completing something. He's preparing us for the next chapter of life. This is like kidney garden. This is like riding a bike with um, training wheels. And so he's got us going through all these things. But someday, there's a next chapter of life. Someday, when this body is over and gone, the next chapter of life begins in the presence of God. And uh, he's preparing for us. He wants us to be the best we can be for that next chapter of life. And he's not going to leave anything uncompleted. So when we go through the storms, whether it's a storm that ends in death, whether it's a storm that causes causes some kind of limp in life, maybe it's a physical thing and you're never going to regain that. Maybe it's a financial loss. You're never going to regain that. The whole goal of it is a completion of who you are. And that completion of who you are is more valuable than all that other stuff. It's easy to say when you're not going through it, but it is. I can think of some of my worst years. Three years ago, physically, I had bam, 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 some terrible things, and, uh, and, and it limited me. I, I, I can remember one time uh, uh, in the hospital after my fall, and uh, Cindy's there, and I may have said this before, but Cindy's there, and, and I... And I want to get up to go to the bathroom. She's been up all night because I've hurt my back, broken my back. And in uh, and, and the morning, I get up and I go, "All right, I can do this." I could not get out of that stinking bed. I could not move. I finally had to ask for help. Uh, you, you know, it, it, those things do something. It finally gave me a little bit of a glimpse of what it's like when to have some physical limitations. Some of you deal with that all the time, and. You bump into somebody you don't even know they suffer with something like that. See, that's completing something inside. Also, a part of this is this idea that God will use you to make a difference. It's amazing Nebuchadnezzar's um, um, response to this. This is where we would say that Nebuchadnezzar all of a sudden became aware of God and alive to God. And uh, he all of a sudden says, wow, this is unbelievable. Listen to what he says. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel, doesn't know what's really going on, and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defiled the king's command and were willing to give up their lives. Again, what are you willing to give up your life for? Rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. You know, when you and I go through the fire, when we're in the heat of the furnace... It's just not to complete you. It's to touch other people's lives. It's to touch other people's lives. That's why we're there. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, it was more about touching Nebuchadnezzar's life than even them being saved and them growing in that trust. It touched somebody else's life. And then he goes on and makes some decrees. Um, thank you makes some decrees that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach. Again, this guy's got an anger issue. He's gonna kill you, I guess, if you don't cross him. Cut into pieces, their houses turned into piles of rubble, for there's no other God that can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, it's interesting. Um, I don't know, I'm not a botanist. I'm not much on plants and how they grow, but I did come across this jack pine tree cone thing. And uh, this is what happens is, uh, you know, you got a jack pine cone, whatever. And if there's a fire, what it does is it opens up the pine cone. And you'll see, they'll oh, look at that. There's a little seeds coming down. But unless there's a fire, they don't open. There has to be a fire. And then you'll see another pine tree. Oh, isn't that beautiful? So when you and I are going through the heat... It's to, it opens our lives, and in a sense, we can plant seeds in other people's lives. And as Christ follows, we want to plant in people's lives the idea that there's this possibility that there is a God that loves them, so you don't have to do life alone, that, that wants to, to join them. Also, um, along this, and this is a little bit of a downer, God will remember your difference making. He remembers how we make a difference. Uh, He remembers what we do with our lives. So if you're a Christ follower, we need to lean in a little bit and say, what am I doing with my life? Am I I being faithful? How how am I living? And and this is is actually great to let us know. It's not to be a downer. It's to say, hey, here's, here's some information. We read on. It says, if anyone builds On on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or stubble, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burnt up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet we'll be saved. In other words, we're reminding ourselves that our relationship with God doesn't hinge on our works, our good works, it's on his grace. It's on his love. Yet at the same time, because of his love, we want to build a life. We want to build a life that points to him, even though as one escaping the flames. So I want to end you with this, this thought here. Jesus talks about holding on to life, giving life, and all those kinds of ideas, and how that flushes out. You see, the heat is on, uh, you don't have to do life alone. God can be trusted. And the thing we need to come to terms with is, are we, in a sense, uh, ready to die so we're ready to live? Because when we're not ready to die for anything, we're really not ready to live for anything. And and that's hard stuff, but that's real stuff. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, and other accounts, were ready to die for their faith because of that, they lived phenomenal lives. The message is clear for all of us. First of all, uh, are we at a place where we've, we've trusted? Uh, have we placed our faith? In a moment, we're going to hear some stories about six individuals who have said, I've placed my faith, my trust in God. He's come into my life. He's joined my life. And now I want to live for him the best way I know how. We have to ask ourselves, have I done that? And then we need to ask ourselves, am I living in light of that? Am I living in such a way that it makes a difference in other people's lives? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for these three 30 year olds and the life less than they live for us. There's very few moments in life where the heat is not on to some degree. But, Lord, we're thankful that we have the option of not doing it alone. And we just ask that you would would help us with that. Those who may not have placed their trust in you, even now, they would be thinking about that. Uh, Those of us who have would know that you can be trusted, just like those three guys trusted you almost 2,600 years ago. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.